0: You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at EnneagramInMarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. I'm so happy you join us for this episode where we're talking about second chances in life and marriage through the lens of the vice and virtues of the Enneagram. My guest today to talk with us about this is Tyler Zock, Enneagram 3. Tyler is awesome because he is not only a pastor and an Enneagram coach and former campus minister with Crew, but he is also leading a multi ethnic church in Omaha, Nebraska. And he lives there with his lovely wife and two sons, we're going to be talking about soon. But I love that he's an author of Enneagram books too. So there's so much he has going on in just a little while to help us to process through the lens of each of the types and the the struggles we go through, those vices, and the virtues that we want to pick up. And of course, we're also going to talk about just even when we have those dark nights of faith, how we can walk through that, because we've seen a lot of craziness over the past couple years. And when we say vices and virtues in the Enneagram, what we're really saying is These are the places where whatever's happening in our marriage, whatever's happening with our personality type and all the good stuff about us, there are are these lower lying emotional issues that we all do also have per type. And how can we work on those? And a lot of times in our marriage, our spouse cannot fulfill that. And and we have to do that work on our own with God. And hopefully our spouses will accompany us and go through it with us. I was listening to the song Second Chances, which was really reminding me of the vices and virtues of the Enneagram and just marriage today. And I was thinking about this beautiful lyric. I hope you get a chance to listen to this. I was telling our those who are doing the the deep dive email series with me as we walk through the Enneagram and Marriage Glow Planner, as we talk about vices and virtues this month, I was telling you guys, this is a great song to listen to over coffee, but Second Chances, there's this beautiful lyric by Gregory Allen Isakoff, where he says, my heart was all black, but I saw something shine. Though that part was yours, but it might just be mine. I could share it with you if you gave me the time. I'm all bloody knuckles, longing for home. If it weren't for second chances, we'd all be alone. Huh? It's so good because it reminds us like, and I always talk about like white knuckling and he's like, I'm bloody knuckles. I'm longing for home. I'm longing for that that healing, and even the shine I saw, that glow we talk about with your Enneagram types glowing together. He's like, the shine, it, it might have been yours. Maybe it was mine. But basically what he's saying is, I saw a flicker of hope. And without those second chances that we give ourselves and others, we would all be alone. And then another great spiritual mic drops was an, an odd spot. Dua Lipa was talking on the Stephen Colbert show. And I don't know if any of you saw that, but he gave a Robert Hayden quote, and he is a great poet. And he Robert said we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil and we must keep struggling to walk through this lens of thinking our vices are going to save us and and walking into our virtue so this was just kind of shocking to see on a late night show and especially between Dua Lipo and him, although she has some fun lyrics, but often her lyrics and a lot of the modern lyrics are kind of teaching us have fun, you know, be tough, be strong. You can do it all by yourself. And we just have to remember we need community. We can have fun and build our ambition and be strong, but we also do really need each other. We do really need to have those Kind of like I said, bloody knuckles together from that song. We really do need to give each other second chances. We really do need that. So take a nice deep breath with me because we just can't answer the worst of ourselves with the worst of ourselves. It just, it's not going to do it for us. I also want to let you guys know I'm super thankful that we hit that half a million mark on our podcast. It's been a very organic podcast and I'm really thankful for just knowing that we've been trying to aim for the one and we were able to have a half a million unique downloads that makes me really happy that we're reaching, especially because we had started out in a studio and now we're at home and it's it's a neat feeling to be able to see how the world has changed and along with the craziness, some good ways so we can communicate together and I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for this community. And I also want you to keep an eye out on Instagram this week. If you're listening, April 2022, we're doing a giveaway for that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. We want to give back to you. And then I also want to let you guys know in terms of second chances, we have a wonderful episode this Wednesday. I am so excited to share with you. It's one of our weeks when we're really giving an extra episode to support you. And this one I think is going to support a lot of you. It's on affairs. And we have Dr. Alexandra Solomon joining us for this Wednesday's episode. She has been featured on the Today Show, the New York Times, Vogue, The Atlantic, Oprah Magazine... More importantly, she is a licensed clinical psychologist at the Family Institute. So directly applicable to marriage studies, she is absolutely in the premier setting for studying families. And I consider her to be one of the absolute greats. And she's been doing this now for 20 plus years. So I'm so thankful that we get to talk to her about the all important issue of not only affair prevention, but inside of the affair and what it feels like and how you can find healing together. So all about Second chances today as we look at Vice's Virtues and then onward this week, doing the same later this week. So very excited for our work together. I also want you to know, be expecting some e shorts. I have been asked for little mini episodes on... Things that I really wanted to put out, not just on Instagram, but on the podcast. And I want to do them in short segments. So I have one coming your way on forgiveness that somebody asked me about, and also jealousy that we've been asked about. And you'll also notice in the show note, every single one of the podcast episodes now has a place where you can not only leave a review, but you can ask a question. You can leave us an MP4 if you want your voice featured on the podcast, so that if it fits with our topic or we can even do a show on questions, we have that. So I'm so grateful for that. But Let's jump in with Tyler in a minute here. It's Holy Week if you're following exactly along. We've just had Palm Sunday and we're heading into Easter week. I hope you have a blessed Easter. I know it's certainly a time when we are thinking of hope and I'm really grateful for that. And I think that that's one of the biggest features of the Enneagram is it's not just a system that leaves us with without the Spirit. It looks at body, heart, mind, and soul also. So I'm just grateful. I'm grateful we're doing this work together. I'm grateful we have hope together. I'm grateful we can go to God when we fall apart, when we fall short. I'm glad to be holding that door open. If there's those who are like, I want to come into faith or or those who are like, I'm just kind of watching, that's okay too. There's no judgment. I, I love that we have listeners from all walks of life, but I also just want to say, like, this is a moment in the Enneagram when you can take a peek in if you want to hear about about what's happening on the inside of faith too because that's part of the Enneagram as well and although there's people from all faith walks using the Enneagram, I'm really grateful to have a lens that comes from the angle of Christ because I love that Christ suffers with us. I love that he came with humility and I love that we have grace. So those are some of the precious celebrations that I do of faith, despite all of the disappointments of faith in the last years. These are the things that I cling to as actually Christ and how there's love for us even in our darkest of hours so that we can hopefully spread that light ourselves. So let's get started. We're going to talk with Tyler now. I'm so excited for us to hear about his marriage, his life, and also some encouraging stories for every single one of the types on the vices and virtues. Tyler, I'm so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast today. Thanks for coming.
1: Great to be here.
0: Yes, we were just talking about love is blind and our love of Enneagram, so this is going to be a fantastic conversation.
1: (laughs) For sure, for sure. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I love hearing that you and your wife, Lindsay, enjoy the show. Tell us a little bit about your family as we get started talking about spirituality and all things Enneagram.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a small rural town in northeast Nebraska, did Mm -hmm. bean walking, all that. I'm a three-wing four. And Lindsay is a six-wing seven. She grew up uh, in the city of Omaha in a very diverse neighborhood in school, so very different than my upbringing. Hmm. Uh, We met in college through a campus ministry. Uh, Our first date was going to the movie 13 Going on 30.
0: (laughs) Gosh, that's one of our family favorites.
1: Yep. So when I proposed to her a couple of years later, I got the keys to a coffee shop that was closed and put up a screen. We rewatched 13 going on 30, had wine and all that. That was uh, a lot of fun.
0: Oh my gosh! You guys are Maddie and Jenna, basically.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, we love. I mean, going to movies is one of our favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time, I thought it'd be fun to do a collage of all of the movies that we had seen because I kept all the movie stubs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made a, this really big collage and thought it was really romantic. Then we put up on the wall. We realized that most of the movies on the collage, there was like guns in the <laughs> in the movie. Uh, movie scenes, oh, so no. so so most of the movies I'd taken to her, you know were action movies and you know fighting movies and we're like you know what, we need to go back to our roots and go back to the chick flicks and, oh. and go to more of those so oh, yeah that gosh. that idea kind of backfired on me. but
0: <laughs> yes well have you guys seen the Adam project yet which has both of them in it
1: yes yes we did mm-hmm. that was our family movie the other night just oh. last week by the way yeah oh.
0: I'm so glad. Well, yeah. And how did you guys actually meet? Sorry.
1: Yeah. So we get, so we met in a campus ministry at, okay. at college. We ended up having pretty big life change happen in college. And so we went on staff with crew, uh, the campus ministry, to be, work full time, primarily f- with fraternity and sorority students, because I was in a fraternity mm-hmm. in college. And uh, Lindsay, though, she always wanted to stay at home with kids. Like that was her dream. And uh, so, you know... After jumping, jumping on staff with crew, we, we tried having kids, but couldn't have kids. Uh, you know, we tried for about three years, couldn't get pregnant. Uh, and so that's part of our journey, which I can share in a, in a little bit. Uh, but we ended up adopting Zane um, here in Omaha. And then when we went down to Kansas for a couple of years to K-State to do campus ministry there, we ended up meeting a student there and adopting our second child, Ezekiel, Zeke. So we got Zane's 11 and Zeke is 8. And, uh, and that, your yeah, last name
0: is Zoc, so that's yep. fun. I yep. love that. Zane and Zeke
1: Zoc. Uh-huh. And another fun fact is that our, so both of my boys are biracial. Mm-hmm. And uh, the past couple years, we've been able to be in a multi-ethnic church. So my church that I pastor, uh, we merged with a smaller multi-ethnic church. And now I co-lead uh, with an African-American pastor, Jameson, who's now one of my best friends, and he's an Enneagram eight. So, we got a 3 8 uh, oh, co pastoring. That's, nice. that's a great fun situation. Up. And uh, now I get to see my boys grow up in this church with all kinds of role models. And uh, it's been so fun the past couple of years uh, to be in that sort of uh, context. Oh, wow. um, okay. but the biggest struggle by far in our lives right now is that our youngest son, Zeke, is on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's so it's been a really, really challenging uh, eight years. Uh, And so shout out to all of the listeners who are working with kids with behavioral needs or have kids with special needs. Like it is really tough work. Mm. And so that's just been a big part of our story that we love sharing.
0: Mm, Well, thank you. That's beautiful and amazing work. And I know a lot of our audience is even discovering some of their own neurodiversity and their children. And some of them are discovering grandparents experience stresses. So it's actually giving us some mobilization and marriage work to be able to look at some of the major players in um, what breaks down marriages. So you're giving these beautiful kids a chance to discover a lot of this before these relationships and you are pouring yourselves out, so thank you. I know that is extremely difficult work.
1: Mm, thank you.
0: Yeah, and um, and you guys are the three six glow, so we love just hearing about how you guys work together. Tell us how you guys trailblaze because I know that's our our fun trailblazers together.
1: Love it. So I'm a three wing four self praise, self press mm-hmm. three a three wing four. Mm. So I'm a performer. I've always been goofy. And in kindergarten, I got the entertainer of the year award. Uh, I still remember. that.
0: That's funny.
1: Yeah. And Lindsay is a very witty, uh, sarcastic six. Mm -hmm. And uh, she just did a video called angry pastor wife, which is hilarious, (laughs) you know, make kind of making fun of some of the things that, you know, you know, married couples go through in ministry and, and, uh, So she kind of exaggerates some of the hard things about being a pastor's wife, and it's hilarious.
0: Oh my gosh, I hope you'll send it to me. I Yeah, I need
1: to put that on that. YouTube.
0: Soon. Yes, you <laughs> do, and I will love to look at it because I work with a lot of pastor's wives, and they have every reason to be angry. There's a lot exactly, going on Exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. And so we we uh, glowed, as you say. Uh, when, we, when both of our different senses of humor kind of came together and fused, that's what really attracted us to one another Uh, When we were dating, uh, we just complimented each other so well. And we just laughed a lot together. Mm. Uh, When we were dating, Lindsay was attracted to my calmness and positivity, uh, which has really helped kind of reassure her fears and anxiety as a six. Mm. And over the years, I've been very attracted to her loyalty uh, to me uh, oh, and to her wow. friends like she has the same set of friends you know breeze <laughs> can get into trouble because we can just have the friends that are around us and that are that help us be productive and yes. you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. and we can exchange fr- old friends for new friends but Lindsay's had the same friends her whole life still get some Christmas presents some birthday presents yeah. and so I just love her loyalty and When anyone's an enemy to me, they're, they're an enemy to her. She has my back. She will fight for me. She'll stand up for me. And so sweet and warm, you know, self-preservation Lindsay is her default, but her counterphobic side can come out at any moment (laughs) when she sees an injustice.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I just love that she has your back. And I think our audience knowing that your heart as a three needs that we're glowing for you guys. So that is just too cool.
1: Uh, I love that. So as far as some of the shadow sides uh, of our struggles, Mm -hmm. so early on in marriage, her sarcastic humor was a little bit much for me (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I was pretty, pretty sensitive, you know, having both three and four in me, I was, I was always took it kind of personally a little bit. It was hard for me, but now as I've grown, I love every time she teases me. Uh, because it's mostly true, like 90% true. And so I, I just love when she teases me. It's, uh, I just encourage her to do that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, that's um,
0: cool.
1: But one of the hardest things for Lindsay has been my workaholism, mm. right? So mm. three-wing fours have said to, to be one of the most, if not the most, workaholic combinations on the Enneagram. And so still today, like shutting off the computer, slowing down, and just being, being a friend Um, and having quality conversations is still an area of of growth for me. I still struggle with that.
0: Yeah. You guys are learning to attune and to really calm your bodies and hearts and minds. And I bet the Enneagram has been helpful in this process and slowing you down a little bit.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Doing that inner work and, Uh, it's been it's been help and even watching love is blind you know instead of an action movie and like pausing it and talking with each other about relationships and just spending time with each other that's been it's been great that show has actually slowed uh slowed us down
0: oh that's neat that's a gift and i agree watching that show feels like a luxury and a luxury that fast-paced aggressive assertive types need to take sometimes because you're right you could miss all the life uh and the person i did the episode on that with was a six and She's oh, like, nice. I got every base of it covered. I'm like, wow, I love you. Um, love because Sixes, yeah, they bring us into that comfort. So you guys are a beautiful work of art together, but I hear you saying it's an art and a science. And um, also we're bringing in faith today. Because yeah. when we can't do it on our own, that's when we need other help. And so, so as, right. you, as you know, we have people of faith here. We also have people who are seeking or maybe have deconstructed with faith. So we just want to, um, we want to share and you have such a gift. You have the beautiful Instagram site, Gospel for Enneagram, as well as your books that I've been able to share and read. And I really appreciate that. And we're going to talk more about that, those at the end, but tell us, Tyler, what you feel like people can do when they're just hitting a wall in their marriage and they they're finding that they need something more with their with their marriage work with their enneagram work
1: yeah so you know pastors oftentimes are seen as stoic and you know they don't have any doubts and things like that but that's that's contrary to the truth you know we're like anyone else mm-hmm. and uh, the, this past couple of years have really taken a toll on me mm-hmm. you know i've witnessed injustices before 2020 Mm-hmm. Um, but this time I saw them through the eyes of my co-pastor, Jameson, who, like I said, is an Enneagram eight and feels that sense of injustice. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Jameson, you know, told me, man, that could have been me, you know, as he watched the shooting of Ahmed Ar- Arbery
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then Brianna Taylor and then George Floyd, uh, mm-hmm. man, I got to watch that through his eyes and really empathize with where he was at. And so we would uh, link arms. We would peacefully protest together Uh, Mm -hmm. We created space on our church's stage to have people of color share their stories and how they were processing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But little did we know that our greatest challenges would come from within the church, not outside. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after we started addressing these injustices in the church, you know, we had pushback from people within the church, you know, saying that we had put politics above the church, Mm -hmm. um, above Mm -hmm. the Bible, and just took off, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just just addressing these stories on stage uh, felt like political to some people when we thought it was just no we're, we're addressing justice you know uh, that's Christianity 101 and uh, another couple in our church uh, you know claimed that you know mask wearing was you know a form of Christian persecution and so a lot of again pushback from people in the church not people from the outside um, we kept Getting you know thank yous from the school across the street and others for being safe and for protecting, mm-hmm. for protecting them and mm-hmm. and uh, and then later on uh, Kamala Harris you know she became the the first female and woman of color vice president mm-hmm. and although I don't agree with her on everything mm-hmm. uh, I shared my enthusiasm because it was a historical moment yeah. and I'll never forget I was in my favorite coffee shop and this this greeter that I I had. Really gotten to know in my in my previous church Mm -hmm. who was positive. He was a seven, he's positive people person. And he sat down and he looked at me and almost was crying because he was so angry at me for for posting about Kamala and said, How, how dare you? Like, Mm -hmm. how dare you? This is my country, and Mm -hmm. just went off. And now I kind of have PTSD every time I go into that coffee shop.
0: No, and it was your favorite.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, I went back to a church that I'd been at and I wanted, they invited me to come back, guest preach, said, hey, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I said, I want to talk about unity and diversity, about how to bring us together. Mm -hmm. Um, And they said, no, you can't talk about that. It's too much of a hot topic. Mm -hmm. It's going to turn people away. You know, so all all these things started happening that, that really caused me to go into a tailspin. You know and for me to have sort of a faith crisis of mm. you know why are all these people that i that i've been learning from and spiritual heroes of mine why are they being silent you know over the past couple of years why weren't they saying anything mm. um and and so i started to have real doubts mm. and uh my past you know pastor jameson said hey you need to take a sabbatical you need to take some time off and just uh just get your be with your family rest you know it's it's been mm-hmm. quite a f- few you know years of uh, going through this hard conversations and so I did mm-hmm. and during my sabbatical uh read a book called um after doubt and it really helped turn me turn the corner from just feeling disgruntled and wanting to quit ministry yeah. and realized that this spiritual house called the church that I was lamenting was not a poor reflection of God, but of the renters, you know, mm. if, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, many, uh, this is how I think about it. Many Christians and churches have done a lot of decorating, you know, before we came along, mm-hmm. you know, and perhaps the conservative wallpaper in the parlor, you know, that others have claimed has been there forever, you know, maybe needs to go, or maybe the new progressive paint pellet that makes us feel enlightened, you know, when we walk in, mm-hmm. doesn't facilitate the right mood after all, you know, mm. so like a like wise house flippers. We have to do the hard work of figuring out what's good, you know, the studs, the foundation that's good. And then we need to figure out what is man-made that needs to go. Mm -hmm. And that's really part of the process of deconstruction is figuring out what's not from God, what needs to go so that we can reconstruct our faith on a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been my experience over the last um, six months.
0: Oh, wow. That is a beautiful analogy. And I really think that people are, Leaning in and listening, because where do we go from here if we've abandoned our faith? And for you to be able to say, you know, here where marriage ends and we need to pick up spirit, perhaps abandoning God and all of this wreckage isn't the wise move. And I'm really glad Pastor Jameson was able to see you need rest. You need time Mm -hmm. to heal. You're disillusioned. And we've all kind of looked at each other sometimes and said, how could I believe Christ or in my faith when I have to look at these people as my example. And and I do know we've realized we're the walking wounded, et cetera, but you still need a rest sometimes and a chance to pause. So I'm glad you got to discover that and process that through your writing. Wow.
1: Yeah, as a type three in unhealth, you know, I went to nine and the low side of nine and numbed out, checked out, and and he mm-hmm. could totally see that he could totally see that. And so the sabbatical allowed me to slow down and just feel my feelings mm-hmm. and to be, to be able to come back in a healthy way. And, mm-hmm. and now, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the high side of three, I can feel like yeah, there's hope say, you know, the past two years was hard, but how has it made us better? You know, cause a lot of mm-hmm. your listeners mm-hmm. will, will say, yeah, the last two years have been hard, but I've grown in my empathy for the hurting. I've mm-hmm. spoken out against injustice and I've never done that before in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have more courage now to speak up than I did before. And so God is, um, I think, has done, s- brought a lot of success from failure mm-hmm. and is right now giving people and churches an opportunity to pivot towards the future so we can take our churches into the future rather than pulling them back into the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm excited about where we're going Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm excited because I think we're talking a lot more about race than we ever have and empowering women uh, to speak up in the church, to teach, to lead. So I'm having lots of conversations about that. So I, I'm, there's a lot to look forward to as we think Mm -hmm. about the future.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm really proud to be raising children who are so wise and brave compared to just where I was at. It's probably the same with you. It's remarkable to see how the youth are learning and grappling, and I can see them taking what we've learned and building upon it even already. And so, and I'm with you also in that we have to be cautious and learn to lament and and rest. So thank you. And it just gives people hope, which I know is what you bring as a three at your best. So, so we want to also check with you about the various types and what they can do when they do hit this wall with their marriages or with life when they're feeling like what I was trying wasn't working. And we know people can hit that as they get into the seasons of middle marriage, when the honeymoon season is over.
1: I think community is, is, is huge. You know, the pandemic made us all isolated and we can't, you know, I felt like, Oh, this is what a a six feels like, you know, (laughs) when I'm just analysis paralysis and I'm trying to think about solutions and I I can't find any. And, and I start to, to feel weighed down and, you know, the only thing that can get you out is getting around other healthy people who mm-hmm. can help bring perspective, who can help you see that it's not the end of the road. That you know, that the problems aren't as big as you thought. And and so, just being around healthy friends and healthy people is, is has played a huge factor for me, especially. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so yes, and you really remind us of the instincts there that we can be self-preserving. But and I know you and I both share that instinct, but to be then you know, really intentionally focusing on family at the one-to-one and then the social, which is of course that collective most noble of the instincts. That's the saving grace of all of us. And that's the one I don't know about you as Lindsay, but that's the one where Wes, when I'm white knuckling it on the other side, he pulls me out almost on a daily basis to make sure we're getting that. And then like you said, it nourishes us and feeds us. It's just some of us resist that out there. Exactly. But you've got a creative lens for speaking about this. So I hope we can chat about each type a little bit, if that's okay.
1: Part of my work is to apply biblical truths to different personality types, the core fears, the, the idols, the, these things. And so, yeah, I, I can chat a little bit about um, each type and uh, just find some of these, these themes of our passions, our fixations, uh, our virtues and, and, and see them with fresh, you know, fresh perspective by looking at different biblical stories. And so I picked out 10 different or sorry, nine different stories. I can talk through them and then we can have a conversation about it. You can let me know what you think. I don't think that can peg different biblical characters uh, as certain types, but I definitely think we can say, Hey, we see a lot of themes uh, in in, in these stories. And so, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so for Enneagram one, I see a lot of, uh, lot of one themes in the story of the Apostle Paul. Mm. And uh, I think these will resonate with, with your listeners, whether they're Christians or not. Uh, I hope so. But as a Jewish leader, the Apostle Paul led a crusade against the early Christians, a moral crusade. And it was a zeal for the law that led him to be a persecutor uh, of the Christian church. Mm. But after his conversion, uh, God transformed Paul into someone who was angry, resentful, judgmental, towards someone who preached the gospel of grace to himself and others. Mm-hmm. And so he famously said there is now no condemnation, you know, for those who are in Christ Jesus.
0: Yes, so one.
1: Yeah, so he became um a someone who could speak the gra- grace into his own life and grace in other people's life. Uh and then Paul left behind his his I say meritocracy, mm-hmm. his merit-based religion. Uh, after finding that Christ's righteousness covered all of his mistakes and all of the mistakes of others. Yeah. Uh, and Paul had this like vicious inner struggle, like everyone feels, to yeah. not be morally corrupt. You know, he said, Before I do what I, I, I don't want to do and I do the very thing I hate, you know, that struggle, mm-hmm. but found serenity, mm-hmm. the virtue of one, by resting in the fact that God was continually perfecting him. Mm. And that he didn't have to be perfect to be loved.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I just love how you brought in serenity without saying, I think people falsely say sometimes serenity is that everything is perfect just as it is. And I've even used that language before, but we can certainly see with the wars that things are not always perfect Um, Mm -hmm. and we're not perfect. So I like how you brought in serenity, like God has you, even though you're imperfect and he loves to work in you with grace.
1: Exactly. Oh, thank you. Well, we see some Enneagram 2 themes in the story of Martha. Mm-hmm. I, I think this resonates with ones as well. But mm-hmm. uh, Jesus, so, he enters the village one time and he's welcomed into the house of Martha. And so like a good two, she was excited to serve Jesus, be hospi- you know be hospitable. And while Mar- Martha's sister Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, you know, talking while she was working, <laughs> she yeah. kind of got mad that, you know, her sister wasn't helping. Uh, And she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me all alone to serve? You know, tell her to help me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when twos feel unsupported or think that others are taking advantage of their help or they're not reciprocating their help, they get resentful, Mm -hmm. stressed, even confrontational, like an unhealthy eight. Uh, Like I say, hulk out, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And it, you know, it was generous of Martha to open up her home to Jesus. Like yeah. that is a huge deal. Mary didn't open up her home, right. but Martha did.
0: Yep. And you um, noticed Jesus wanted to stay there, which is telling yep, we want to go yep. to our twos friends our their homes.
1: But the, but the key is that twos must come to Jesus with their neediness as well. Mm-hmm. Not just what the, what they have to give, but come with needs. And so mm-hmm. Jesus says to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary, you know, to, to sit at his feet and be loved and wanted for who she was, not how much she could do for him.
0: Mm-hmm. So Man. I think that's,
1: hopefully yeah. that resonates with some of the twos.
0: Two friends listening are like, yes, thank you for reminding me to slow
1: down and to just be in. Yeah, that's so hard for twos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but we, we love those twos. Okay. Three, I'm a three of Enneagram three themes in the story of Jacob, uh, the deceiver. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So threes having the desire to win, they may introduce unhealthy competitiveness into their relationships, uh, or cut corners on integrity. That's one of the things that really convicted me when I'm learning about the three. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob, as we know, deceives his older brother out of his birthright for a bowl of stew. And then later pretends to be Esau with the hair in the arms. You know, his mom helps him to deceive um, his dad Mm -hmm. to secure the blessing, Mm -hmm. right? To get the blessing in a deceptive way. And to him, the the end justified the means. Like Mm -hmm. to get the blessing, Mm -hmm. I can cut corners on integrity. Uh, And then later in life, uh, he ends up wrestling this stranger by a river um, who turns out to be God himself, And because failure is not an option, Jacob holds on, won't let go and says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And uh, we see here that the winning, the conquering is not about domination, like Mm -hmm. it might be for uh, innate or, you know, motivation for some other type. The desire here is coming from a place of wanting to receive the blessing of knowing that deep down he is worthy, Mm -hmm. like all threes. Mm -hmm. And uh, God actually touches his hip and it goes out of socket. And, uh, you know, that powerful demonstration of reminding yeah. of Jacob who he is. And mm-hmm. so he loses the match, uh, Jacob does, but then ends up getting the blessing. And mm-hmm. so Jacob, who had always been successful by tricking others, uh, now found his greatest success through losing, through failure, and received a status from, the, from God that he could have never earned through even his most successful efforts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so success does come through failure.
0: Oh, wow. That's such an important lesson that every three needs to to hear as they're trying to be brave. Like you told us that you were when you were trying to let go of some of the work, and that's just a process, but it's neat to hear that God will bless that.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, Enneagram four themes uh, show up in the story of both David and Saul. Uh, I see four like tendencies in both of them actually Mm -hmm. Uh, so when Saul was king young David you know conquers the the giant Goliath and then King Saul like gets super envious of all this this attention that he's receiving and so you you see Saul doing the sort of uh for like push and pull pattern with david Mm -hmm. so saul loves him he's like come on in and play music for me you know and and make me feel better and then he gets really envious and then he tries to kill david and throw a spear at him and then Mm -hmm. this goes on and on of of pushing him away and then pulling him in yeah Uh, and david really reminds me before because the psalms are you know he talks a lot about his suffering. -hmm. And displays a a beautiful four, like brutal honesty and raw raw vulnerability in the Psalms. And you know, the Book of Psalms is still ministering to us thousands of years later, as we as we lament. You know, I think, man, only a four could 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 do that, uh, write such a masterpiece like that. Um, But David did fall greatly because he ended up envying Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And and then set Uriah up to be killed on the battlefield. Mm. Um, but even after all of that, he is forgiven by God and still known by us and by God as a man after God's own heart. Heart, yeah. So, mm. uh, so David found equanimity, uh, the fourth virtue, through all of his suffering. But didn't, uh, but but the way he did it was he brought all of his suffering and all of his emotions to the Lord. You know, he didn't he didn't hoard it he didn't use it against people but he took it to the lord and found equanimity and peace uh, mm. by by letting it go and by receiving god's peace
0: wow and that's a beautiful example of a force process too even as david uh, you know, after he later has a consequence, he gets up after crying and eats, and he gets into action. And so, what a beautiful image of how we fall down, but then we get the chance to get up. And he didn't just stay in constant melancholy.
1: Amen. Well, we see Enneagram Five themes, I think, in the story of Nicodemus. And so, Nicodemus held a powerful position as a ruler of the Pharisees, and like a five, he kind of wanted to avoid the crowd. So it goes at night to see Jesus to investigate <laughs> and Jesus knows he's intelligent. And so he lets him as a five, and this is helpful for fives to know that Jesus lets him ask skeptical questions as he tries to put the puzzle pieces together. And we yeah. see that in doubting Thomas's life too, that Jesus allows Thomas to doubt. Like God allows us to to doubt and he can handle our doubts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then later on, when the Pharisees start talking about arresting Jesus, we see him move to eight in health and he stands up and he says, does, you know, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing, you know? Mm -hmm. So he stands up for Jesus. And when fives take action, you know, they can be very powerful persuaders. Yeah. Uh, And then at the end, when, when Nick, uh, finally sees Jesus on the cross, his knowledge of Jesus appears to move from his head to his heart as mm-hmm. he experiences this unfolding before his eyes. And so then he partners up with Joseph in raising funds to bury Jesus. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we know the vice of a five is avarice mm-hmm. of being stingy. Yes. Yeah, Nicodemus powerfully displays this virtue of generosity by bringing in myrrh, aloes, you know, weighing about a hundred pounds, uh, it was a lot of money to, to prepare Jesus, his new King for, for burial. So oh,
0: wow, beautiful what a, display of generosity. Yeah. Ooh, I like that one a lot. That's neat. And it's giving our fives a lot of hope that by getting out there into community, they'll get a lot of blessing. So, mm-hmm. oh beautiful. yeah.
1: So Enneagram six themes, I think, uh, we find them in the story of Peter, uh, mm-hmm. Peter has been said by some to be a counterphobic 6 mm-hmm. But Jesus stands up and says, follow me, you know, and we know for all sixes, it'd be hard to drop that safety net of the income of the the family, the guidance that he had, the support to leave all of that safety net behind Mm -hmm. to go follow Jesus into the unknown. Mm -hmm. And uh, once when Peter and the disciples were in a boat in the middle of a storm, you know, a uh, a storm broke out and uh, Peter shows courage by being the first to sort of confront his fear head on. And he's the first to get out of the boat. I love that that sixes can sometimes be, you know, stereotyped as the fearful deer, but here Peter is the first one out, you know, Absolutely. they can swing to courage uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. And so he gets out of the boat, but then he sees the waves and he's, and then he goes back into anxiety mode where he gets scared and he's like, Lord, save me. And, and Jesus graciously helps him. Mm-hmm. Um, later on Peter, you know, sometimes sixes can get too sure, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and at the Last Supper, uh, you know, he, he he was sure that he would never, ever betray the Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but Jesus said that he was going to deny him three times. Mm-hmm. And uh, later that night, the, the high priest's servants come to arrest Jesus in the garden. And, you know, Peter, feeling this overwhelming loyalty to Jesus, goes into counterphobic mode, pulls out a sword and cuts off, you know, the ear uh, of one of uh, the soldiers uh and so he just swings on that pendulum so quickly and then Jesus mm-hmm. is like whoa, whoa 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 no peter you know no mm-hmm. and then uh later on uh peter's fear manifests again when this young girl calls him out hey you're one of his disciples and you know he again anxiety takes over and fear takes over and he denies jesus you know three times mm-hmm. and then goes and weeps yeah but the great the the interesting contrast between judas and peter is that judas Felt uh, guilty for denying Jesus as well for betraying him. But but Judas, Judas goes off, and we know the end of his story. But Peter has the courage to come back to Jesus after he fails Jesus. And Jesus mercifully turns this fearful man into the courageous de facto leader of the first century church, mm. right? Nice. And so, man, what trust Jesus had in Peter uh, to give him the self confidence to move from someone who denied. Jesus and dropped the ball many times to now somebody who who is going to lead the charge of the first century church that was the six so oh, love that story we
0: could throw people away by their mistakes in ourselves but look what he did that's crazy
1: mm-hmm. yeah so moving along here uh so Enneagram seven themes I think show up in the story of Solomon mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm solomon starts off as king by using his amazing networking skills uh, to mm-hmm. do the impossible make an alliance with pharaoh mm-hmm. by marrying his daughter mm-hmm. and then god gives him the opportunity to ask for whatever he wants which would be a great thing for seven yeah. what yeah. what whatever you want mm-hmm. uh, it's unlimited unlimited possibilities <laughs> and like a seven move into five in health uh he asked for wisdom mm-hmm. like a five would mm-hmm. and god is so pleased he says you know you'll you'll get whatever, you're going to get this and more, both wealth and honor. Mm. Uh, but the seven's vice of gluttony, you know, yeah. avoiding pain by running after new experiences, stimulating ideas, fun activities, eventually got the best of him, right? He he was living the seven's dream, 700 wives, 300 yeah. concubines, fame, yeah. and he spent twice as long on his own house than the Lord's temple <laughs> that he's commissioned mm-hmm. to, to build. Oh no, so you, right. you, you see his life focus, kind of slipping yeah. away towards towards that gluttony. Yeah. Um, and at the end of Solomon's life, you know, we, we hear this wise one say that all is vanity. Yeah. And, and that's a powerful reminder, especially for sevens and threes, mm-hmm. right? Having unlimited possessions, accomplishing, yeah. you know, awesome resumes won't satisfy us. Mm -hmm. so we should thank solomon for giving us this lesson and and countless other teachings you know through his wisdom literature such as the the proverbs that came that came from him Mm -hmm. like he moved to that five to write these amazing this amazing wisdom literature for us when he was healthy
0: and uh
1: yeah like the queen of sheba who was so impressed with solomon's ability to be quick on his feet and answer all of our hard questions like a typical typical seven can do right we are we are also impressed by all those charming sevens in our lives. Yeah.
0: yeah, And I really like how he grapples deeper in Ecclesiastes as well. And I use it a lot in my marriage work because he talks about how, like, like you said, everything's vanity and how at the end of the day, these simple places of, um, sanctuary with our spouse is really what we need to focus in on because the rest is just all that glitters isn't gold, to quote Tolkien, my favorite author. And um, um, but biblically, it's got to be Solomon for a seven. You've got it, and their their spouses are wise to help temper them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, enneagram eight themes show up in the story of Deborah. I especially loved using a female uh, for this one is because a lot of it's hard to be a female eight, uh, especially in the church. Um, and, uh, Deborah was a famous judge, prophetess, you know, female leaders with her level of authority were rare in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like most eights, she rose to the top. She called herself a mother in Israel and mm-hmm. saw herself as a protector of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in judges four, she summons Barak, the commander of the army. And she's like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you're not following the Lord. You're supposed to go attack this army. And he's kind of like, "Uh, you know, and Mm -hmm. she's challenging him like, hey, you need to do what the Lord's called you to do. And I love his response. He says, "Okay, I'll go, uh, but only if you go with me. And so he (laughs) found he found strength and confidence in her her protective, powerful presence Mm -hmm. uh, as a female leader. And so he's like, I don't want to go unless you go. Mm -hmm. And then they go and they see the, the enemy conquered. And then they sit together and down and they write a, um, they write a song, they have like a songwriting session, and you can actually go and judges and read the song that they wrote together. And so at the end of the story, you see that the land had peace for 40 years after that, Mm -hmm. and that the people of God were able to live free and without fear because of Deborah's mighty boldness and courage. I, I love sharing that story as, as uh, an example of how men and women can partner together in the church to move forward into the future. So,
0: Me too. Me too. I have a leadership study I've done on Deborah so that women can learn to have healthy boundaries with the men they work with, as well as to, like you said, like not feel like being a, a woman leader is something that... Um, is impossible. And so I'm really glad eight's listening or eight partners can hear like there's a way to do this with grace and power and um, even always has been right. This is like an Old Testament story. So I love that you're reaching all the way back there to remind people that God's been using females since the beginning of time too.
1: Yeah. And she didn't didn't bulldoze over him and say, you know what, you're not you know, you're just apathetic. You're half in. I'm just going to go do it for you. (laughs) You know, I'll Mm. grab the army and go. She, she waits and she doesn't push and she empowers him by letting him make that decision. Mm. Um, and he finally comes to the conclusion. Yeah, I need to go, but with you, you know, so it's a, it's a great healthy eight in action.
0: It is. And she even shares the floor with another woman and you'll know her pronunciation better than me, but J A E L is at J L. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she gets to share the the glory as well in that story. And it's neat to see when I see an eight and lining up with other women, I know they're doing good work.
1: Hmm. Amen. (laughs) All right. Last one, Enneagram nine. I see a lot of Enneagram nine themes in the story of Abraham. Mm. So uh, Abraham shows nine tendencies. You know, he's called into the unknown to leave home and to to create a legacy, uh, to leave comfort and to go out into the unknown. And uh, so, and he did, he made the courageous decision to go, uh, which is, which is great for nines. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, a famine forces Abraham and Sarah to leave their country and go to Egypt. And when he gets there, he uh, lies twice about her and says that, that she's his sister to try to avoid conflict. You know, so he's already, you see these themes of conflict avoidance. Uh, but later on, when God says He's going to destroy the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Abraham steps into his role as mediator. So rather than being silent, he negotiates with God to say, "Don't destroy them," you know. And he 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 gets into that mediator role to not be a peace faker, but to be a peacemaker. Ooh. And he brings these, uh, you know, he and because of his mediation, then God saves uh, his relatives. And so he mm. really displays the nine's virtue of taking action. And it led to people being saved. Uh, But however, after his wife, Sarah, then devises a plan to have a surrogate through Hagar, Abraham slips back into the nine vice of sloth and just appeases her. Okay, you know, do whatever, you know, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And when when Sarah and Hagar later on get into a feud, after Hagar conceives a child, Mm -hmm. uh, Abraham again sort of abdicates his responsibility, steps back and allows Sarah to mistreat her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sarah's mistreatment is so bad that Hagar, you know, choos- chooses to go on the run. Yeah. And, and this is where you see some, some nine themes as well. It's in the desert. Hagar feels lost. She feels alone. Uh, mm-hmm. She's, she's pregnant and she asks for death.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but
1: suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to Hagar offering water and words of comfort. And she immediately praises God by saying, you are El Roy, El Roy, meaning the God who sees me. So here in the middle of the desert, uh, she says, you are El Roy, the God who sees me, who hasn't forgotten me, who's come to support me. And so she experiences what every nine longs to hear when they feel abandoned or invisible, that we worship a God who sees. Um, mm-hmm. And then after Isaac is born, uh, Abraham displays great faith by following God's command to sacrifice Isaac. But no nine wants to be disconnected from their family, from their friends. And here Abraham is being asked to sacrifice his son It'd be one of the worst nightmares for any nine, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. uh, to be cut off from your, from your loved ones. But Abraham takes action again because of his faith. uh, And then God uses him then to build a never ending spiritual family and legacy because Mm -hmm. of his faith. So those are some themes uh, that I see in Abraham's story.
0: And I think that's so encouraging for the nines listening to know that, any type listening, but especially the nines, you are seen, you are heard, even when you're having these moments of doubt, even when you're in that desert space, you're allowed to go to God and and God answers from that space too. And so whether it's in your marriage or your family or just your personal walk um, here, we've seen all of those examples in your explanations of these nine types. So thank you. Because when we are in our lowest spaces, we need to remember that we can look to God Uh, not just our spouses to heal us. So thank you for making this so real to us.
1: Yeah, we made it to the end. Thank
0: you. And I just know that our listeners are looking for next steps where they could deepen their walk with God. And I know that they can go to the Bible. I know that they can continue to follow you on your various platforms, but we would love to hear about your books, about where they can get to meet with you and chat with you. Yeah.
1: Can I sh- share one quick story?
0: Yes. We'd love to hear that.
1: That I did get to share earlier about me and my wife. Um, and again, it goes back to the, the community. If you have people that you're allowing to speak into your life, it can really radically change your marriage. Um, mm-hmm. cause again, it's one thing to know the Enneagram. It's another thing to allow people to, you know, speak in, speak into your life. And so, uh, So one of the kind of the shadows, you know, has been for us has been that I can be overly positive and that Lindsay can be as a three and Lindsay can be overly negative. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see how, you know, these, these themes play out in every area of our life and particularly in our life in the area of grieving. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can see if one person's overly positive and one person's person's overly negative, how grieving could create lots of conflict. Definitely. And so, uh, when we were, you know, going through infertility, yeah. um, you know, the, the positive negative contrast really took a toll on us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the apostle Paul and the Bible says to not grieve as those who don't have any hope because we can have hope, but he doesn't say just have naive hope and don't grieve. You were supposed to grieve and have hope in the midst of it. You need both of them. Yeah. And, uh, I was all hope. Was we were battling fertility. I was like, "Yeah, God's gonna do it, and just have faith." And you can see that threeness, like yeah. hope, like it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. But it was, it was sort of a naive hope that was, mm. that was a painfully dodging emotion. Mm. You know, for threes, we don't like feelings when they surface because feelings and pain. Um, and as a seven, you can kind of relate a little bit to avoiding and running away from pain. But for me, feelings are not aerodynamic. And so feelings and grieving slow me down and I want to speed up. I want to be efficient. And so when she would start to grieve and cry, I'd want to take that and put it on a bookshelf and come to it late, you know, come back to it later. Mm. And uh, that really hurt her. But by me not allowing her to grieve me, me, not seeing it as an invitation to cry with her and to be in it with her. And so that caused a lot of um, conflict. And, you know, I was, I thought, I was being a faithful Christian by saying, Oh, it's just going to happen. God's going to give us kids and don't worry about it. And, and while Lindsay was sitting there in tears, uh, but, and she was just grieving in a healthy way, you know? And I had a friend call me out one day and just say, Hey, King David in the Psalms cried out to God in the suffering. And he was genuine. He was real with God. Uh, He didn't need to pretend or put on a mask to, to do suffering good, you know, to go through it, you know, stoically. And he looked at me and just said, you haven't done that. Like Mm -hmm. David grieved in a healthy way and was a man after God's own heart, but you uh, have been running and you have been putting on a mask. Mm -hmm. And uh, shortly after that, I was reading the story of Lazarus who uh, died and they were having a funeral for him. And Jesus came and it says Jesus wept uh, with his family. And in that moment, I felt like I heard God say, and Lindsay's tears are my tears. Mm -hmm. And for the very first time since we began our struggle, I wept, you know, for the very first time. Mm. And and so as I look back now, I realized that I was suppressing Lindsay's pain as, as a six. Uh, I was dodging her emotions. I was failing to offer her the loving presence of God mm. in those moments and just being stoic, you know, when I should have been sowing tears with her. Mm. And uh, I wish I would have known the Enneagram back then because I could have, caught a lot of this, but thankfully I had a, a friend who who called me out and, and uh, now we just grieve differently. And now I help people in our church grieve differently through mm-hmm. these struggles. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what where I'd be without the, the Enneagram helping me to see these dynamics so that I don't just look at people in my church and say, if they're struggling and say, you know, just have faith, just have faith, yeah. but actually to sit with people and to cry with people, um, mm-hmm. You know, Lindsay and the Bible and it has and the enneagram has helped me to see kind of that the the shadow side of the three when it comes to to grieving. Mm, so, wow, yeah, I wanted to share that story because it's 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 a pretty significant one in our story.
0: Well, it is in every human story, they need to be given that permission and especially males. So even as we're building up females and we're so excited about that, as we were talking about earlier, uh, now we're also wanting, and you and I both have sons, them to feel okay with crying too. And so thank you, Lindsay, thank you, God, for these examples to you and to all of us that. Uh, you're allowed to cry. And it's, it's beautiful how you said you guys were able to sow some tears together. And and then you could yield a peaceful, righteous harvest later and celebrate in, in due season. But you've had to learn that grieving is part of it and may even be returning at times in our lives. So I'm glad you remind our listeners, like there are seasons of grief And, uh, those are important. And thank you for sharing that with those in your church and the larger church too.
1: Welcome. Thanks, Krista. So, so you asked what I was been up to. So I've spent the last couple of years writing some, um, 40 day devotionals Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be spending the next two years, uh, finishing them. I set out to write a 40 day devotional for every Enneagram type and, uh, I've been doing this on the side. So I write every morning before I go and do my pastor thing. And it's been so life-giving to, as a means to encourage people, to help people, to see that God sees them, to help them to hear from God, very speak very directly into their, their, like I said, their idols, their core needs, those things. And so I've, I've written the type three, type four, type six and type nine books Mm-hmm. And type one is coming out this June, uh, 2022. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you can go to my website to get them uh gospel mm. And, uh, also on Instagram. Uh, so you can go to gospel for any on, on Instagram and also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but the party's you know, on Instagram, uh, oh, <laughs> that's oh. where most of the, the followers are and the interaction is. And, uh, yeah. And if, if any of your, uh, listeners are skeptical of using the Enneagram. I know some Christians out there, I've been talking a lot about, should Christians even use the Enneagram? Is there a basis for it? Um, should we be worried about it? I'd say no. <laughs> wow. And so I wrote, but I wrote an article called, should Christians use the Enneagram? It's a free like uh, PDF ebook that you can get on the website as well to help think through uh, why, why we should and can use the Enneagram. So your listeners can get that for free if they, if they go to the website.
0: Okay. Thank you. And the website is gospel for Enneagram?
1: Yeah. Gospel, F-O-R for Enneagram.com.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you, Tyler, for this important work. And really just thank you for sitting with us in our moments of doubt and grief and and doing your own work so that you're coming to us, uh, not as that self-preserving three who's so perfect that we can't relate, but just somebody who's like, hey, doing my work with you guys. Uh, That's just appreciated. and, And we love that we also get that Uh, glorious presentation of a person who works really hard at what they do. And and that's evident. So I want to recommend his books. They're fantastic. Thank you for coming on today. We're so grateful. It's been great. Awesome, guys. I'm so glad we got to listen and hang out with Tyler. Please make sure you check out the show notes so that you can get connected with him, what he's doing, be encouraged by him, and also check out his books. He's taking his time. He's already gotten so many of them done. I hope that those ones that he has done very much bless you. I hope you have a wonderful Easter or whenever you're listening, I hope that you invite hope into your life. And I also hope that that you will continue to check out our upcoming e Shorts, our episode on affairs this Wednesday, and that you will continue to celebrate with us and have fun with our contest this week on Instagram too. So you have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as Enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.